0: You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 359, Paul Dacre goes, Geordie Gregg comes in. Will there be a change of direction at the Daily Mail, we ask? We also reveal our World Cup predictions and we look at passing fads and obsessions. It's all coming up after Echo and the Bunny Men and Pictures on My Wall. Can you hear it? Bound off.
1: Their first single release taken from their first album, Crocodiles, from 1980. The ever splendid Echo and the Bunny Men and Pictures on My Wall.
2: They really are evergreen, aren't they? Mm.
1: Yeah, uh, I, this week I've been playing a lot of Bunnymen, and I was I was playing the album Crocodiles quite a bit, and it their, their early work really stands up really well. And you know, another thing I noticed when I was uh, actually um, looking at the album sleeves online, not holding vinyl copies, but their artwork was always really mm, splendid mm. on their albums. Well, very kind of evocative. Uh, uh, great, uh, I love Echo and the Bunnymen. I do. Yeah, a great band. Welcome to the uh, podcast from the Parish. Campus. Council, it's episode 359. Um, I'm Terence Dackham, and unbelievably not featured in today's Queen's Birthday Honours List is Juliet Harris.
2: I know. I mean, once it's again, a shocking omission, but uh, I, I, I'm hoping for the, um, the big one, the, uh, the Order of the Knights of the Garter or whatever it is, where there's mm. only a certain people allowed on it at once who are alive. I'd like to get on that one, I think.
1: It's the least you deserve. Well, quite,
2: yes. If I'm not actually going to be Queen, I at least deserve some kind of honour, I feel.
1: Absolutely. This week, some on the left of politics may have tootled about with a rather more jaunty spring in their step when um, Paul Dacre flaunted the news that he's to step down as editor of the Daily Mail in October. Uh, Such celebrations may be a little muted with the knowledge that he isn't leaving Kensington High Street and Northcliffe House for good. He's stepping upstairs to oversee the holding company. However, he'll no longer be responsible for the often 12 or 15 hours a day he's been putting in editing the Daily Mail. Now, Jules, I've... a fair idea where you may stand on this, but I'm wondering if you'll be sending him a good luck in your new job card, and also what you feel is Paul Dacre's legacy at the Daily Mail.
2: Well, I mean, I, I, I think mm. my good luck Paul Dacre card will be probably get lost in the post, oh, I suspect. Yeah, um, yeah. Not A really a big fan. Mm. Um, really, ple- well, it, it, in a way, I'm not so much pleased as I am wryly amused that, um, and I think this will happen with lots mm. of the main architects of, of Brexit, um, in the week where Nigel Farage said that he never told anybody that Brexit <laughs> was going to benefit everybody. He doesn't know where people got yeah, that idea from. Um, very much. Um, amused by the fact that at the same time that's going on, off goes Paul Dacre having spent the last ten years telling us how, how well, interesting this is one of my biggest problems mm. with Paul Dacre mm. he's spent the last ten years telling us how dreadful Britain is yes. and and at the same time um, he's very angry with terrorists trying to undermine Britain and you feel like saying, well, surely if anyone's done anything to undermine Britain as a positive and welcoming country, it is you, It's frankly. broken Britain, um, Julia. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> Yes, and although having said that, David Cameron was very keen on talking about broken mm. Britain uh, w- uh, until the point where he won a majority, at which point it suddenly wasn't <laughs> broken anymore. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. I am I can't stand Paul Dacre's mm. Daily Mail. The, the day under him has been you know appalling. It's 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 just it it's, we can learn a lot on the left from the daily mail my friend emma burnell often says this she says that mm. um that you know the daily mail has a way of telling stories which the left can't quite kind of get that emotional resonance although i think in a way that was a kind of an early straw in the wind towards this age where you can just make stuff up now and it doesn't really matter as long as you're passionate if you've made stuff up it's not as important as the integrity of of actually mm. you know it's the fake news era isn't it and i Think that Paul Dacre's legacy, if Brexit goes really, really wrong, that will be his legacy. And I can already, you can beginning, you're beginning to hear the Brexiters starting to panic now, aren't you? Boris Johnson's mm. recorded comments, David Davis once again being, as I think Marina Hyde puts it, the uh, Barbara Streisand of <laughs> politics. He's <laughs> he's going away forever, and then he isn't. Mm. Um. So so Paul Dacre just being part of that kind of gang, really, that is, you know, uh, you know, g- going <laughs> away. Uh, Nigel Lawson, big Brexiter applying for residency Mm. in France. You know, they're all popping off, aren't they? Just at the crucial moment. Funny that. His legacy will be, you know, a paper that, that, you know, a very unpleasant paper. It'll be interesting to see if he if he has any impact going upstairs, the new editor of the Mail, Geordie Greig, who's the editor of the Mail on Sunday, who has been the editor mm. e- e- Mail on Sunday, there is apparently huge, um, as the young people would put it, beef between the two of mm. them. They don't get on at all. But Geordie Greig at the Sunday Mail, they were, they were, you know, little reported at the time, but they, the Sunday Mail came out for staying in.
1: Yes, it is, it's very they much a Remainer, Geordie Greig. It's yeah. a
2: Remainer. Mm. And also, they've run... He's an interesting character in that he's run interesting campaigns at the Mail on Sundays. So he—he he, didn't he do one to do with them. Um uh, pensions and the elderly, or something. He's done a few kind of mm. campaigns around that, so it'd be interesting to see if there is a genuine t- uh, a sort of change in tone at the Mail when he takes over. Also, um, another thing that I that, mm. uh, that I'm sort of being cautiously well, there's caution to my optimism is, of course, the owner of the Mail remains the Rotherhithe family, mm. Lord Rotherhive and Co. And you know, it was the Rotherhides that were in charge, and we have hurrah for the black shirts in the 1930s, so it is quite possible that the the unpleasant tone of the paper paul dacre was merely delivering what he was instructed to deliver it'll be interesting to see if geordie greek does the same thing or whether he really can take in another direction and for people that are interested in hearing about what paul dacre is is like um there was a, a fantastic piece i can't remember who wrote it now apologies but in the london review of books There was a very long piece about Paul Dacre. It was the review of a book called Mailmen, which Mm. is the unofficial, very much unauthorised biography of the Daily Mail. And it painted Paul Dacre as a a very odd figure, fundamentally, more than anything else. Very shut in. A man who somehow manages to have his finger on the pulse of Middle England, whilst never actually walking on a hard surface all day. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Literally gets tatted cards to, uh, to the to the to the main entrance, walks along the carpets indoors, and has a habit of, for example constantly misusing French expressions in the hope that he thinks it will help him sound sophisticated, according to this book, can I just point <laughs> out. So, the oaken Tray, he doesn't seem to quite have the meaning of that down, apparently. It's almost weirdly Delboy-esque, I think, in the, you know, mange-tou, mange-tou, etc. So, I quite like that, that slightly ridiculous view of Paul Dacre. But no, I think that the male has, has and I think regular listeners to the podcast, would have heard my concerns about the male previously, and how it does teeter into something very dangerous, you know, the idea of crush saboteurs and traitors and that kind of thing and I will I, you know I will never like the male it has never spoken to me politically but <laughs> I would like it to be less Wildly dangerous. If, if lots of people are going to read it, I would like it to be less wildly dangerous than it has been under Dacre. So I hope that um, I hope that Geordie Greed can at least um, stop it becoming a fascist rag, which it seemed to be falling towards, in my view.
1: The latest uh, Rothermere in charge, uh, Jonathan Harmsworth. Think I said
2: Rotherhive, about- didn't I? I'm sorry yeah. to confuse Rother Rothermere <laughs> with the London borough of the same or the place in London with the same. No apologies, residents of Rotherhithe.
1: Yeah, the latest. Uh, um, what, what are they, Baron? I can't remember. We use Baron. Or- Baron- but-
2: rather be a strap or whatever they yes
1: mean, that's yeah. it. Um, you know, yes he went to Gordon Stern and you know he's very much conservative but he is only 50 years old and that, that, I think there is a feeling that by appointing Geordie Gregg um, he is really trying to change the tone of the place that, um, because Gregg is very much everything that Dacre believes Geordie Gregg would publish something in the Mail on Sunday as the opposite so there's sort of the yin and yang of, of although yeah. all conservatives it, it has to be said although the Daily Mail became rather predictable in its stance on issues under Dacre's editorship, there've been some really unlikely campaigns. Probably the most notable was Dacre and the Mail's campaign for justice for Stephen Lawrence, and the the Mail's real genuine dedication, uh, actually putting the paper almost at risk by naming and pursuing the alleged murderers. But Mm. this campaign, it's really strange. It didn't fit the normal Mail style, of course. But it came about following the most extraordinary coincidence. Stephen Lawrence's father was doing plastering work at Paul Dacre's house and yeah, they, absolutely. they made a the connection, so it's really peculiar but
2: many but people... I te- there's mm. an interesting parallel there, sorry to interrupt, but there's a really interesting parallel, so uh, Paul Dacre and the Daily Mail have been steadfast in their support of Theresa May even from before Theresa May ran as leader, they were very keen that she should, etc, and actually, I wonder if there are some similarities between Paul Dacre and Theresa May, in that what is often said about Theresa May is when people one de- of t- her friends are trying to defend her from the fact that people say, oh she's got no emotion in." intelligence intelligence. She's got no empathy. She's really not good at all. She was found out during Grenfell. She's terrible at that sort of thing. They will always say, oh, yes, but she has been very sympathetic about X, Y, and Z. But the answer, you know, the answer is always Theresa May is not she's capable of sympathy in that she's very good at dealing with people who have her problems mm. who are all in some way related to her own life what she's not good at is empathy which is the idea that you know that you can empathize with someone else's problems even though they're not within your own experience and i think that paul dacre is possibly quite similar in that had mm. um had good neville point. lawrence not done the plastering at his mm. house would he have backed that campaign? I put my entire house on saying no mm. because it wouldn't have fitted with his with his experience otherwise. So, the, so yes, I did. The, the mail did run a laudable campaign, but they didn't run it out of the interests of social justice. They ran it because Paul Dacre happened to know and likes the uh, Stephen Lawrence's father.
1: Yes, I, I think you're you, probably so spot it's on there.
2: in with that point, Not but I course. think that's a, that's a distinction worth making, I
1: think. Of course, we all tend to view Dacre and the Daily Mail through our own vision. I do this myself, our own vision of the world, um, particularly in a political and moral sense. But it's always mm. worth remembering, I think. It's a sort of sobering thought, really. The Mail is the second biggest-selling newspaper yeah. in the UK after the Sun, and both reflect and perhaps lead the views of a substantial number of people in this country. And I think... Um, you know i i I do this myself, but we tend to look down on them at our peril really, because um you know I suppose' it's, it's, it's a however but a big however, in that I do hope the new editor Geordie Gregg will drop as much of the misogyny the unkindness that you referred to and, do- and of course the dodgy cringiness and, and in that I also include the Mail online I know a very separate entity but they're still responsible yeah, for it absolutely, I, yeah. I really don't want to see stories about 15 year old actresses yes. flashing some flesh in the LA sunshine you know that, that we really that, do that need to move away that element
2: is is, mm. is a deeply unpleasant and that's one of the things the biggest problems that I have with the Mail. but yes like you know, I don't look down on the man in the sub because I'm aware that many, many people read them but my view is is that people the mail is almost like a kind of a tick for people it's like a habit they just do it yeah. so what so what my yeah i agree with you my point is that if that if we are going to live in that world where loads of people read the mail i would much rather that if people are genuinely really having their views led by these institutions that those views are slightly less wildly reactionary than they are at present
1: yes we hope that it the the, the whole and male healthy, empire yeah moves into a more responsible and enlightened era Way, well, hey, it's our World Cup preview yeah, and so predictions. You, next. we've
2: had such such a wildly successful Absolutely. record with our Premier League predictions. We thought we'd go global
1: for this. Yes, yeah, so Mystic Juliet, I think they they call <laughs> it. Indeed,
2: psychic Dacum mm. and Mystic Mr. Harris. Yeah,
1: that's right after Knox Fortune.
3: My mood is in a cradle rocking me so sweet I'm always trying to get back some consistency Someone that understands that I'm a busy guy I love the way you know how not to use my time My time, my time, my time Yeah, now My time, my time Yeah, now My time the sun on top is for her Bye. Hey.
2: In a true clashing of the old and new media's, I discovered this because it was used on an advert for the um, the app Pinterest that was shown on television on Channel Four, and I discovered what it was called because I used Soundhound on my phone. Other listening apps are available to uh, to like Shazam to mm. point it at the TV and find out what it was. So that is all kinds of old and new media going on there at the same time. Um, I love the bounce of that. It's I love mm. kind of bubbly, sort of rappy pop occasion and that is brilliant, I think. They're called Knox Fortune, so it's spelled Knox as in Fort Knox, N- N- sorry, K-N-O-X Fortune, and and K N O X Fortune, it's called 24 Hours, and I'm just really keen on it. I haven't heard much of the album, but I love that. I
1: think it's terrific. Yeah, I like it. He sure knows, knows his, uh, his way around a, a melody, but here's a fact for you, Juliet, that I only learnt this week. Knox Fortune's mm-hmm. hometown is Oak Park, Illinois, which is also the hometown of Dan Castellaneta, the the voice of uh, Homer Uh, Simpson. uh,
2: And how ironic, because I saw it because it was being played as an advert in the middle of an episode of The Simpsons.
1: Everything all ties together. Absolutely. Spooky woo. Now's the time. The time is now. After all the anticipation, at this time... At the time that we record this, the 2018 yeah. Football World Cup is just days away. It four is. Days away, I've, five, I've got know.
2: my chart on my wall. I am mm-hmm. so excited. Even Uh-oh. though, even though you know, my excitement is never, never well founded. I'm still
1: excited. I love the World Cup. It's so it's so special. Popping up obviously every four years, and and suddenly. Oh, you see all these players, some we know from the Premier League or other big leagues in Europe, some we don't know, countries, some familiar, some rather mysterious. There's just a magical quality about the world cup this this time round i do have a few nagging doubts i hope i'm wrong about how the tournament in in russia of course will roll uh i hope i'm wrong in that i do fear that sort of off the field we may see in here some instances of uh, racism from elements yes in the they did they
2: did nothing to stop that and that mm. is hateful
1: and I also have this nagging feeling because the stakes are so high that one of the things we'll really note in this tournament is that we'll see a lot more aggression and protest to referees, uh, especially over controversial decisions. Yes, VAR is being used. That might help. But I think we're so much at stake. The easiest target is always the referee. And we've seen a real growth in that sort of aggression and, and anger in the premiership this last year. And I think that may I hope I'm wrong, but it may get reflected in the uh, in, in the tournament. George, I, I, I want to. Know, I'm, I'm going to. Ask, how much are you looking forward to the tournament? And also, I want to know at this stage how far you think England will progress.
2: Well, I am very much looking forward to the Mm. tournament. I have brought the sticker album. I'm starting to make my progress on that. So that's very exciting. Very pleased about that, my Panini sticker album. Mm. Um, Some of my friends and their kids are collecting. There are some local solicitors who may or may not be using (laughs) the internal mailing system to send swaps to each other. That's just a rumour that I've heard. Um, But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I I mean, like you say, I have my kind of... I wish it wasn't in Russia. Mm. And I did think maybe I should boycott the world cup and unfortunately um, it's the world cup so I don't think I can um, uh, one thing that is refreshing, though, about the World Cup this time is this is the first time in many years that I can really genuinely remember there being no expectation around England's mm. chances at all. There's been very little of the usual tabloid hysteria that we get. There's not even a song this year. You know, there's 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 very little in the way of fanfare. And that might turn out to be prescient. It might also turn out to be a very good thing in that Gareth Southgate, who there is much admire about him, I think. I'm really starting Mm -hmm. to warm to him as Mm -hmm. the England manager in that he has a plan. The problem with previous England managers of which there have been so many in the last <laughs> year is that I mean I can't even remember them all and I, to be honest with most of them you probably wouldn't want to anyway sorry Roy but you know mm. they've not been they haven't really know what they've wanted to do and although England might not be the most talented team in the world I think we can all come to that conclusion now they, someone said the other day ironically they look like they did the last time they looked like this was when Gareth Southgate was playing for them mm. in around the Sonny 96, Euro 96 yes. in France, 98 in that they have a plan they know how they want, to, he knows how he wants them to play and what he wants them to do and the players seem to respond in quite well to that they are largely very young which means they are easy to sort of mould in that thing he's been very, the other way in which I admire him is that he hasn't taken a load of crocs which I think is, mm, is great. We've absolutely. suffered so much in the past from building around members of the golden generation with feet that aren't working properly. <laughs> I mean, if I hear the word metatarsal ever again, it will be too soon. Um, so, so, you know, I'd, I'd, um, I wish I really do wish England well in this tournament because I, I admire Southgate for trying to do something realistic and sensible. And if we can get away from this whole kind of, oh, yeah, England are going to win. I mean, we are still seventh favourite which I think is wildly over-optimistic. Mm. I mean, this time, I hope we will get through the group. That would be excellent. We didn't manage to do it last... The last World Cup campaign ended with a single point, which we managed to take off footballing giants Costa Rica. So, so I hope that this time... We're in a group which I don't think is particularly unkind. The only... Sort of Panama and Tunisia I would expect England to be able to beat if you can't beat Panama and Tunisia no offence and I don't think you're really going to be winning much. Belgium will be interesting I think because I was saying this to my dad the other night Belgium are one of those teams that everyone always tips to be outsiders and to do really quite well because mm. they have some astonishingly brilliant players they've got Vincent Company, they've got Kevin De Bruyne they've got some really Eden Hazard, they've got some brilliant people but they, in a way, almost like England's golden generation, they never seem to quite to my mind be able to make it into the sort of the sum of the the, the whole never might quite manages to exceed the sum of its parts if you see what i mean mm. so so it will be interesting to see how England get on against them, but either way whether England come first or second you would expect them to get out of the group and then once they get out of the group it depends really whether they finish first or second as to who they end up colliding with because in their half of the draw Mm -hmm. we have The other teams in their half of the draw are Costa Rica, yes, our old friends, and Serbia. We've also got Brazil and Switzerland and Germany and Mexico and Sweden and South Korea and Poland and Japan and Colombia. So we've got lots Mm. of really quite capable teams in England's half of the draw, as a result of which I'm not... I'm not convinced I would uh, despite the fact I admire what England are doing. I'm not entirely convinced that how well they're going to do. It depends where they fall, I think, and, and how other teams do in their half of the group. Um, I think if they got to the quarterfinals, that would be a really good result for this team and these players and this manager at this kind of early stage of the cycle. And I hope that Gareth Southgate is given time by the FA to build because I think this is the stage of the kind of the, the cycle that we're in at the moment. So if England get to the quarterfinals, I think that's great. Um, they, I would expect them to get to the round of 16, probably, and then how they do from there... Depends upon how the draw falls to them, I think, but I think that quarterfinals at the moment feels like the best result that they can hope for, but having said that, who knows they i mean the possibilities as someone once said, are literally endless here. They could go out of the group stage, something mad might happen, and they might do really well so oh, okay. so yeah
1: i 'm jotting these down, so I have put quarterfinals as your prediction i 'm being terribly pessimistic I I, I I will have my England flags flying on my car. Bought them this week at the pound shop.
2: Oh, uh, oh, that's amazing! I don't, I, I don't go car flags, but I am at the Trustee of an organisation that is showing the England matches on a huge screen oh. in our main auditorium. So I will be there, stewarding
1: in an England shirt. And no one will be supporting them with more passion than me. But I'm going to be incredibly unpopular and okay. predict England will not get out of the group stage. Here's what will happen. This I, I've, I've seen into right. the future. Okay. This is what's going to happen. Okay, we'll, we'll lose the first game. Unexpectedly with Tunisia, um, the country will go into gloom. Then we'll draw unexpectedly with Panama, meaning that we right. have to beat Belgium oh, in the last no, group game. No.
2: Oh, this is so horribly plausible. I know,
1: uh, that's that's a, our only chance of progressing, we have to beat Belgium. We score an early goal, everybody, oh, we all start to believe. Then Deli Ali gets sent off and
3: <laughs> Kevin
1: De Bruyne equalises England are coming home. They're coming home oh. at the early stages yet again. That's my, my that's my gloom and doom prediction. Hope I'm wrong.
2: Well, now, I you said you've predicted quarterfinals, by the way, and I'm not just modifying um, this to your upcoming you events there. But I I think that the real prediction is round of sixteen. but okay. That the best case scenario is quarter
1: finals. So I your think. actual <laughs> prediction is a round of sixteen. So I'm I jotting can. these down.
2: It depends. I mean, if we win our group. Oh, no caveats,
1: Juliet, yeah. Lucy.
2: All right. Okay then. Well, I think it'll be round of 16 okay. then, but it wouldn't surprise me if
1: we reach the quarter-finals. Now, as we know from the feedback we <laughs> receive, many of our listeners ache. They ache to hear our predictions for sporting it's, it's occasions. It's
2: sort of the expression that when my friends got married a couple of years ago, the groom said, um, made a brief speech and then said, right, and now I'm going to sit down. It's time for my best man speech, so I'm going to prepare for the ritual abuse. So I very much enjoy the ritual abuse of uh, people's feedback on our on our
1: predictions. Well, you know, to be fair, our Premier League predictions have become legendary for their pinpoint That's accuracy. Actually,
2: and, and our election predictions were equally as bad as well. So it I think really the running kind of common theme um, is is us trying to predict what will happen. I don't I don't think that that's always going to work well for us. So so yeah, I um, I will say I suspect your England predictions are are horribly plausible. <laughs> we
1: the Golden Boot. Who is the Golden Boot winner? Is what I'm after from you now. Just which player will score the most goals through the tournament? Which individual player? Messi, the end. Oh, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> jotting it down because we need to have these. Two. Yes, but Messi is a favorite with the favourite with the bookmakers. I'm going for um, Antoine Griezmann, the chirpy. Yeah, the, the... the
2: odds. The odds I'm looking at here have him as third favourite at, um, or rather, ah. second favourite at twelve to one. The joint favourites on these odds I'm looking at are Messi and Neymar
1: at ten to one. Ah, right. Of course, it all uh, as. Obvious, to it is to say, the, the golden boot winner often depends on how their team does. You know, you're obviously going to progress in the tournament unless you score three hat-tricks in your group game. So um, it tends to be a player from the, the big nations you know, because they get more games to play. But okay, so Messi and Griezmann. Now the big question: Which team, Juliet, Lucy Harris? Which team will win the World Cup? And also, which team are going to be your best outsiders? Which team might provide a few shocks along the way?
2: Well, I think that it's difficult to see past Germany for winning the World Cup because mm-hmm. I, I, it's tempting to say Brazil, but I think that Germany is con- comprehensive rattling of brazil it was 7-1 in the end wasn't it if, um, uh, Sort of last time absolutely I think, demolished I think, them yes i think that is a, a generational kind of mm. uh, sort of psychological thing and i i think that as a result of that if you've got a, a tournament with germany and brazil in it i think i think germany will having said that interestingly mm. they are in the same side of the draw so mm. so i think which whoever whoever manages to win Groups E to H will probably win the World Cup because we've got Germany Mm. and Brazil on. I think if I'm reading this chart correctly, Mm. we've got Germany and Brazil on one side of the draw, and then on the other side of the draw are Argentina and france and portugal and i can't and russia so so Mm. i i think that the winner of the world cup is it will be germany and i think the surprise package Mm. of the of the world cup i mean we've talked about belgium i've kind of given up predicting belgium as my surprise package and also because everybody talks about belgium now i'm not convinced that there is a, a, um, a surprise package anymore um uh, it'll be interesting to see if Iceland can resurrect their um, resurrect their heroics from a couple of mm. years ago at the at the European Championship. Although the World Pool is a different one, mm. I think. Um, I think and this is a bit of a random thing. Mm. It might be completely completely uh, completely wrong, but i I would like I would like to have a look at Nigeria and see how how they yeah. might do because they seem to have a um they have they have a very they're like England they have a very young team. Mm and i would i would be interested to see if they if they manage to um if they manage to do something oh, they might do completely badly in their group they have iceland croatia and argentina so so if they can get out of that group then who knows what they'll do but i I'd, I'd like to see nigeria do well so let's see how they get on
1: well Despite your dissing of my Belgium, I'm predicting them to actually win the tournament. They're my favourite. Really? Well, wow. Okay. Look at this. Look, Kevin De Bruyne, Eden Hazard, Thibaut Courtois, Michi Batshuayi, Vertonghen, Alderville, Moussa Dembélé. You know, I, re- I just think they've got such a fantastic squad um, that uh, you 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 absolutely can
2: they, can they play together though?
1: Well, that's that's going to be the, the the issue of course um but you're you're right they've often sort of over the last this most recent generation in the, in the past they they you know it's how many famous belgians could you name it was also you know how many belgian footballers could you name but something has happened and this generation has flowered these uh, enormously talented um progressive players so i'm just saying belgium's time is now and um my outsiders to watch are Russia, the home nation, because oh. I, I, I looked um, this morning, they're 40 to 1 on my list with the bookmakers, but home teams in World Cups often defy the odds, and with the crowds behind them, they can often overperform, over-deliver, so my outsiders are Russia.
2: Ah, okay. Well, I, I I hope they don't do well at all mm. because I I you know there's much to dislike about Russia, but
1: I suspect you're probably right. So let's see how accurate we are. We'll have a look at the end of the tournament and uh, probably with our heads in our hands um, and wish that we'd never. Yes, as, um,
2: as Argentina have won and <laughs>
1: yes,
2: <laughs> Nigeria yes. and Belgium won't, went, both went out in the group exactly. stage, and plucky England made the semis. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Passing enthusiasms, momentary crazes, we're calling them micro-obsessions. And that's next, after Egg White and Alice Temple. Amazingly, uh, neither that track released as a single nor the album from which it came were, were hits uh, from 1991 Egg and Alice and Indian.
2: It really is a, a kind of a, a cult album, though. Mm. Like Leader of the Band by your Lewis yes. Taylor. It's become those kind yes. of amongst a certain subset of music fan. It's become a kind of a well-kept secret, hasn't it, really? Yeah, I can't understand why Egg and Alice weren't huge either. But in a way, they are genuinely cult, aren't they? Mm. I, I um, it, It's tediously started to be used as a signifier for, you know, I really know about music.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Uh, egg, uh, egg, why it is, it's written so many Hits Brothers since.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Uh, I've seen a bit of his solo stuff on the radio before. mm. California, it's really nice.
1: Um, I think let me think now, uh, leave right now for Will Young, and certainly, um, Chasing Pavements for Adele. He, yes, he wrote that dozens of you, absolutely.
2: Yeah,
1: last week when we were talking about uh, television evangelists and my, mm. mo- my month long fixation with the rather strange TV channel God TV, um,
2: <laughs> God is in the TV, yeah.
1: yeah it, 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 I watched it, it reminded me about it, and I watched it for about uh, 10 minutes uh, during the week. And they would they do this thing from time to time, some of their begging for money, and it's really rather gruesome when these t- uh, TV religious channels do this because they're saying, you know, become a partner, the Lord is calling out to you, and, you know, you'll, you'll have blessings if you send us, you know, $500. It's all, all all a bit gruesome. Um, <laughs> No, it, it got us thinking when we were talking about that last week about passing fads, uh, little obsessions that last for a month or so. Mm. And of course, this is a theme throughout my life. Um, frankly, if I have a relationship that lasts for a month, um, I class that as a long-term, you know, commitment. Um, as do I, personally. <laughs> <laughs> we're two P's out of the same pod, aren't we? Also, um, my my whole career has been a case of doing something for a while, get bored with it, dash onto something else. Jack of all trades, master of none. And I'm going through a compulsion an obsession at the moment jules and it is trees oh, i realized yeah i realized that i simply can't identify more than a handful of british trees and i thought this is really silly really because i you know I, i'm out for a walk and i think i go for lots of walks i love walking around the surrey hills in particular and i think oh that's a nice tree but i don't know what it is so I've watched every YouTube video I could find that, that identifies British trees. I bought the Collins Gem pocket-sized book of trees. I bought the children's book "I Spy" book of trees. So now, oh, <laughs> a,
2: a literary I, classic, I think you'll agree. It, it
1: really is it, 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 spoken about very highly in, in the in the salons of Bloomsbury. Um, <laughs> and I, I have I have tree ID apps on my phone. So now I'm I'm going out and I'm spending ages studying leaves and musing upon whether a tree is a is it a common. I'm a sycamore or a beech tree, but you see, I'm already getting frustrated now. Here's, I went for a lovely walk around Ramsgate Gardens in uh, your Sussex during mm. the week, and um, they have so many varieties of trees there. I realise it's going to take essentially the rest of my life to try and figure out all of the different varieties. So no doubt I'll give this tree lark another week or so, and then find something else to obsess about. But. Jules do you have any passing crazes or fads in your life
2: Yes I do and actually oh, interestingly um so this comes from my past and someone said this to me the other day they said oh, I was talking about something and someone said mm, I didn't realize you were a secret gamer mm? and and I my I grew up playing computer games that was oh. one of my big interests so actually I I am familiar with passing fads, and mm. and this is I didn't realize until the other day. This has carried on with me during my life in that um, obviously I do a job that's quite intense. I'm often quite busy a lot of the time, and I often find myself the be- the only way in which I relax if I'm sat at home in the evenings in my armchair. Um, apart from obsessively watching episodes of The Simpsons, which everyone knows about by <laughs> right now, that's not a passing trend. That's there forever. I think um, I have an iPad. Um, other tablets are available, and um, I very much enjoy playing games on my iPad. Mm. And I am someone. That um, does things from start to finish. So I will have a fab where I have a computer oh. game, and you know, and and I I like playing platform games. So you have levels and you progress through levels. Or I play football games, and I like to. I am very much results driven. So you know, I try. <laughs> I start off with a team and think, right, come on, Halifax, we'll get to the Champions League. And uh, and so I will get a game, and I will play it to a conclusion.
1: Hmm.
2: But if there is no conclusion. I will lose interest. So mm. I had a, I had a, I play SimCity on my iPad and I had my town and I set it up and, you know, got all the drains in and whatnot. And it's all, it was all going very well. We got up to having a population of 300,000. So it was quite a quite a large city um, people occasionally moaning about the smell of sewage plants. But apart from that, I had a 98 percent happiness rating of people living in my city. We had a casino. Everything was very nice. And I realized there was no end. So, so I, so I, so I stopped because there was no end. I would never ever be able to to finish it. So my micro obsessions are games that have a finite end to them. So I got very into playing something which is quite macabre if you think about it. So it's a game on the iPad that, funnily enough, it was a Stephen Bush from the New Statesman recommendation who is also a gamer. Um, and it's called Papers Please. And it's set in some, what is meant to be some kind of mid to late 80s kind of Soviet bloc or possibly East Germany, I think. And you man a checkpoint. And you have to basically let people through or refuse them, depending on whether or not their passports are valid. And as the, as the levels go on, <laughs> there are more things that can be wrong about a passport and there are different types of passports. So it is the ultimate attention to the Excel sorting games. If I ever have to supervise trainees again, I will make them play it because it is a really good kind of skill. But the reason that I can play it, Terrence, the reason mm. that I can keep playing it is that depending on the decisions you make, because people come through and they try and tell you their personal story and you have to decide how many people to let through illegally or not um there are 20 different possible endings oh, Lord. depending depending on what decisions you make at various points so my micro obsessions are always computer game based that that is the thing Or collections so i mean i have my my i have my parents have a loft full of completed football sticker albums <laughs> um uh Pogs you might remember these I remember Pogs uh, yeah uh, the, the, lots of the um the Walker's Chris we had a lot of Chris that summer a lot of the <laughs> Walker's Chris Looney Tunes complete pulse collection I have other people's collections that I've bought so I've got a collection of first day stamp postcards that I saw in a junk shop and thought someone had spent their time collecting it so I ought to look after it really um I collect stamps I collect tea cards so my passing obsessions are anything that has an out a, a sort of a goal at the end I will Will do that, and then I'll and then I'll think, oh, well, I've completed that now. Now it's time to start collecting something else instead. So, and it's starting to seep into my record collection as well. So I'm starting to collect all of Supergrass's coloured seven inch singles, um, all of the Franz Ferdinand singles. I'm just a completist, and that is that's my issue. I'm afraid. Those, those collections i collect mm. collections that's what i do
1: i envy your ability to complete these so in the last couple of years here are just some of the things i've started and ditched after a few weeks
2: oh no right okay
1: learning latin why did i want to do that i learned it at school forgot it all and then thought it would be fun to relearn <laughs> it it wasn't um trying to learn some magic tricks too difficult i gave it up Ju- <laughs> j- juggling I bought three juggling balls I got bored attempting to learn it didn't last long oh
2: this, this is amazing I, I'm such a fan of your non-completion oh, of
1: and, and the worst one Juliet and this goes to your gaming thing Candy Crush Candy Crush Saga um, oh
2: yes my, I love that
1: my desktop computer updated itself to Windows 10 and lost all of my records oh, when I'm
2: I do- oh god I was on
1: about level 400 I was like oh, five I've been at it for about six months nine months I'd been going at this, and it just deleted the whole thing. So oh, I, I just that, had to walk uh, away because I oh, thought if I start oh. again, I'm going to go insane. So I just,
2: I just. Oh, away. I am. I am genuinely sorry for your no, loss. Very that distressing. Is- Really speaks to me mm. that was that was I mean I had that with with sim City it lost mm. all my at points and I had to stop again and it is it is maddening frankly and I, I and this will make you feel better I mm. hope so my my, my uh, one of my obsessive things was um championship manager mm. the be a football game um, and I was doing really well. I had a very old version. It might have been Championship Manager 4, I think, uh, Daisy 2000, 2003, and we were on about 2022, I think. I'd had a really good run of getting Frank Lampard on a free transfer for Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday, and he did really well. Wayne really never left Everton, by the way, and never played for England, and Ryan Giggs was player manager of Sheffield United, so there was lots of interesting stuff going on in that game, and um, my laptop broke. So I thought fine, I will just reinstall the game on my new laptop and it is too old and it won't work. Oh no. It still has the oh. icon. I can the icon is literally staring mm. me right in the eye at the oh, moment and it won't it won't do it.
1: It's, it's, it's a moral tale of, of life really isn't it, it, is, so, it really, maybe, is.
2: should be, I, I, mean, maybe I, I should be encouraging you down this trees route because mm. you're getting out into the world
1: very true, very true Ramster Gardens that I went to during the week absolutely lovely place, I'd never been there before well, it's just, uh, uh, just over the border from Surrey it's just past um, oh, it's Chiddingfold true. and before you get to Petworth um, so it's
2: not not my part not of it. Not really um, no. no. Sussex, really. but that is lovely.
1: It was lovely. Now before I ask you about your public appearances this week mm. I need to tell you a story um about one of your radio shows and right, uh, okay. it just makes me look like a complete blithering idiot, but I'm going to tell the story anyway. The other day...
2: I don't you for that.
1: The other day, I thought, oh, uh, it's Wednesday, it's eight o'clock. I must listen to Juliet and her radio show, Indie Wonderland. And so uh, I, I asked Alexa to, to, to find it, uh, which is what I usually do, and was no joy. So no problem. Um, I went to your radio station, Barricade Radio, and thought, wait a minute, that's not Juliet. That's somebody else. So I, so I checked out your Twitter feed and your Facebook to see if you'd posted there, you know, there may be a problem, nothing there. So I was about to text you to check you were OK when the penny dropped. It wasn't Wednesday, it was Tuesday. Oh, I um,
2: see. Well, you did get to enjoy my colleague Nick Raymond on uh, on Barricade Radio, that's very much not
1: me. That wasn't you. I spent about 20 minutes trying to find your radio show on every platform I could find, only to realise... I was a day early. So, for complete idiots like me, per- <laughs> perhaps you can confirm where we may find you this week. Well,
2: I'm, I'm grateful that you at least <clears> made the effort. If it makes you feel any better... Um- a friend of mine called Chris, who is lovely, who's a very enthusiastic, regular listener to Indie Wonderland, asked his son who's about 14, who was with him on a Wednesday evening, to bring up Indie Wonderland. So the son found it, and they started listening, and they were very much enjoying mm. themselves, until it dawned upon them that, in fact, he had gone on to Mixcloud, <laughs> rather than onto Thing, and they had just enjoyed a happy hour listening to the first ever Indie Wonderland <laughs> on Barricade Radio. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we then had to sub him in as to what he had missed. So it's not just you that makes mm. those mistakes if it makes you feel any better. But uh, yeah, I am back on the radio this week. Um, I will be, Saturday Social is having a break at the moment, but I will be back on um, Barricade Radio on Wednesday evening from 8 to 10 p.m. to do my Indie Wonderland mm. show, as Terrence so very kindly refers to. Um, we're recording this on Saturday the 9th of June. If you're a very early bird listener to this and you have means of transport, you can pop down to Hastings to see mm. me and my friend Debbie, Bongo Debbie, DJing together this evening at the Dragon Bar. In in Hastings. So from 8 until 11pm, they do lovely food there. So we're going to go and have a bit of dinner and then do some tunes, I think. So if you're around in the area on the Sussex coast, do pop down. It will be really nice. My apologies for the smell of the sea. It's algae dying. Apparently it's oh, driving oh. us all. Uh, the the mm. recent storms have stirred up the algae and the sea has stunk as the algae blooms and then dies for about 10 days to 14 days and it is—it's uh, everyone is on edge at the moment. It just needs to, it just needs to die and move on. Ooh. So uh, if you can deal with, you know, the smell, then do come down.
1: <laughs> that reminds me of when I lived in Wisconsin in the, the Midwest of America mm. and it was on the shores of Lake Michigan and it was May and there had been really unseasonably cold, freezing weather oh, and loads and loads of fish sadly had died and become washed up onto oh. the shores of lake michigan oh, oh, and gosh. my word after a couple of days of that you can only imagine um, oh it,
2: yeah. it, 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 a, a rat died underneath the floorboards of, of mm. the 17th century hall in which i was taught law at university and in february that wasn't an issue particularly but by the time we got to the middle of may it very much was oh, of course.
1: thanks to you for listening
2: yes you very much you
1: and here we go jules another of your unusual choices to play us out
2: Yes, I like the. I could see you pursing your lips as you say the word "unusual." <laughs> Terence noted love of instrumentals, and the best thing about this is I haven't even picked this to wind Terence up. That is just a bonus aspect of this record. Um, I I think I can't remember if I've ever picked it picked this band on the podcast before or not. Um, I'm very keen on this lot. They're called the Hackney Colliery Band, and they their thing is that they do kind of um, slightly interesting versions of classics. They they're not necessarily a traditional brass band and I love brass bands anyway and actually funny enough they are uh, released a lot of their records on um, a label called uh, Wawa and they released Wawa 45s and they're very much involved in the true thoughts label and uh, Nick Raymond my colleague on, on Barricade who you accidentally listened to mm. um, plays a lot of that sort of stuff so I think I might have come across it by him potentially I very much enjoyed their version of Africa by Toto a record which I don't enjoy <laughs> and I'm sure I will receive some hate mail for this but often end up having to play when I'm DJing I I DJed a birthday party once, and up on the upon the fifth request for uh, Africa by Toto, mm-hmm. I had to then play it. But uh, this version of this this particular band, I think, is terrific. So it's a it's a medley of prodigy numbers um, <laughs> played by a brass band, and I I think it's got such pace and energy to this, and I think it is it's got some terrific kind of free jazz drumming towards the end as well. Wait, come back, um, and I just think it's <laughs> oh, it's it's so good, and I. I'm I'm sorry if this isn't your jam, Terence, but it is very much mine. So these are the Hack- Hackney Colliery Band, and this is Prodigy Medley. <laughs> have been listening to a DACA media production.